Welcome to Integrated Rhythm, two swing dancing besties navigating race and the black experience in jazz dance and other Afrocentric dancing. Chisomo Salamani and myself are your hosts. Today we are talking with Kenneth Ship. Kenneth is a badass. He grew up dancing hip hop and break dancing, and he is now a blues dance instructor. He is also a renowned DJ and musical enthusiast, and he took part in the powerful Move Together panel last year. He is also the executive director of the Ujima Blues Foundation, which we're going to talk about a little bit in this episode. Kenneth is also a founder and director of Nerd Union, a group of old friends talking about nerd culture, and Kenneth is their film expert. So check it out online. They do great things, and they did a recent episode on Ma Bailey's Black Bottom, which I know will be of interest to those of you in the jazz scene. And now we give you a conversation with Kenneth Shipp. Integrated rhythm with Jasomo and Bobby. Um, yes. So, Kenneth, I'm so excited to hear from you. And um, you might know this about me, but I, I mean, all three of us are instructors, right? All three of us are teachers in our own right. And so I love pedagogy. And so I'm usually, I'm super interested in people's uh, teaching philosophy and um, what kind of shapes how they instruct. So would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and in um, your process? Yeah, uh, I think a lot about how I, how I was instructed. Uh, a lot of it was being thrown into the middle of stuff as I was growing up and just having to, having to figure it out. That doesn't mean there wasn't instructional moments there and it doesn't mean other people like got to see a variety of styles uh, growing up, but a lot of it was like absorption. It's like, you're going to see this multiple times over and over again. And the environment is such that uh, it's encouraging to, and it very encourage you to, encourage, encourages you to soak, soak that up. Uh, so I think about, uh, we talk uh, black line dances, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. I never learned the electric slide. That, that, never, that never happened as a go-to this middle school class and learn electric slide. That just didn't, that just didn't happen. It was my uncles and aunties are doing the electric slide. There it's Stevie wonders on you get your butt out there and you figure it out. And then you bump into someone enough times to be like, okay, this, this many to the left, this many to, all right. And I get to the, ah, yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> you know, uh, and then you just get so comfortable with it that you're adding in your own little, flares and stuff or you see your uncle do something like ooh, 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 ooh. what was what, what was that <laughs> what yeah. was that um you know i also think about something i bring up in class a lot too is so think about that reinforcement uh i talk about even just swaying back and forth in a church right. pew you know right. uh over time yeah. it's like that yeah. environment helps condition you yeah. to okay the beat is here everyone's going uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's a mm-hmm. simple thing. It's a very, very simple thing. Uh, but if you didn't have that growing up, those are sometimes one of the first things I try to like adjust or create an environment that helps you helps you feel that. So I have literally had people in class, I'm like, all right, we're going to get into the circle or like, I'm going to make some imaginary pews <laughs> and we're going to go uh, from left left to right just so that you can get like especially if i get into a class uh, uh or some like fresh brand new dancers 
no no background whatsoever. Uh, you know, I was trying to think. Um, I was at, I was teaching at a bar once, and I hadn't had to teach triples in a while because we had so many Lindy Hoppers coming over to do blues that it just, you know, I tell them, hey, we're going to do a triple step here, and I then I just adjust the triple step. So I've been doing that for probably a couple months. Like I guess it just been months. Hadn't had anyone come in. So someone comes in and it's like, what is a triple? And my instructor brain needed a second because it had just been like, oh yeah, you know, you do the, and they're like, no, no, I don't get, I don't get any of that. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, 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 we're, we're square, we're square one, square one here. Uh, so yeah, a lot of that has helped me uh, having experiences like that uh, has helped me like when I get someone in the door that is no, no background, like doesn't have Lindy, hasn't done anything else. Uh, no blues experience like what mechanisms can i do that's going to assist them uh getting those getting those fundamentals or help build up those those fundamentals yeah yeah Yeah. um a good friend um d daniels lock is also an educator she's you know her she's an educator Mm -hmm. in multiple spaces and she talks about situated learning and so you just so nicely described situated learning where you're taking you are learning something incrementally over time and it's just embedded in you because you were in that environment. And so, um, yeah, I love, I love that. Um, and then also scaffolding, taking from what people know. So great. I feel like, uh, I've talked to someone about this a lot. I'm, I'm that person who grew up in a family and a culture that didn't do dancing, uh, in almost any sense of the word, even when we went to church, in, uh, you, you know, you you sang the the songs. How great thou art! <laughs> yeah. You're dancing with yeah. nodding your head, yeah. and you know it was a very yeah. loose fitting kind of thing. And sure. uh, and so you know when when I started learning these dances, I learned via this the same you know the same way that a lot of us did, especially you know 20 years ago, where you have. Um, you know, your your instructor says, take your right foot here and put it down on count one. And then, you know, like breaking it down really methodic, breaking it down through that direction. And, uh, you know, the, the more I've danced, the more I've tried to unlearn a lot of those things that I learned from my first instructors. And so, yeah, that really hits me. And I'm really envious that your students get to <laughs> work with someone like you. Yeah. Uh, I, side note, my... Um... <laughs> I was probably a, a le- 10 or 11, maybe. I, I, and uh, w- my first experience at a white church was, was a little bit of a culture shock because, yeah, they didn't do anything that we were, that I had grown up doing. So I kind of like, it's like, well, one, we also got out early. So that was, that was nice. <laughs> so I'm not going to complain about that. We got out. I'm like, man, they're already on the sermons. I'm like, all right, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I remember kind of edging my mom and like, they only did a couple songs and mm-hmm. they, you know, they just, they just sang it. I mean, we didn't, we didn't do, you know, and then did maybe one closing. I'm like, wow, what is, yeah, that, that, that took, that took a little bit. Yeah. I, um, I, I grew up in a pastor's family. So we, because when my dad went to seminary, he had to pastor at a number of different churches. And my parents also came from kind of two different church structures in Zambia. Um, so seeing churches in Zambia, white churches here, black churches here, 
I, I got to taste all of it. And you're right. Like if we're to do talk about like white churches versus black churches, white churches, like, well, the commonality is the food. Everybody's food is banging, right? It's almost like a mini competition. I kind of like when I push back if someone's like, white folks can't cook. I'm like, uh, it's like, there might be some people. With, I just think some people just don't know how to cook. Uh, but white people in the South, I haven't had that problem. Because if you can, if you get to a white church, it's, it's kind of the same way if you go to a black uh, holiday function. Uh, whoever has the best mac and cheese is going to get, that's going to get brought out. Or they might get called out on like, we don't want you to bring your mac and cheese <laughs> yeah, to this function. Like, you know. We're, we're going to have Ms. Rebecca bring her mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so Ms. Paula is going to bring the potato salad. And we just, you know, you can bring some napkins. It's just, we don't. <laughs> oh, the napkins. The napkins. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> So yes, so that's that's where I see like some intersections with the food. The food's banging, but um, but yes, white churches pros shorter. <laughs> They're shorter. <laughs> I mean, but it's just all relative. Like I remember being in my white church and thinking, my God, this sermon's like more than fifteen minutes this week, <laughs> right? It's, <a> lot. <laughs> it's all relative, oh, but we also, God. you know, I I never walked away snapping my fingers to the music that we had sung that we had some too yeah yeah i mean some black churches we're talking about you go in at nine and you're coming out <laughs> oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. you gotta you, what, yeah sometimes you'd have sunrise service yes you start you, <laughs> start, in the morning. Yeah. Start, you start at sunrise and you're at church literally the entire day yeah. the entire, entire entire day Oof. sunrise so, sunday sunday school Yes. In the actual Sunday service, maybe eat. Yes. If you have a visiting church, then just go. Yeah, visiting church, just pack it in for the day because you're not <laughs> you're not going anywhere. Like for the day, that is a full weekend if you weren't mm-hmm. already doing a full weekend's worth of stuff. So, I think yeah. one thing though that's so striking though is is how uh, participatory it sounds like. Uh, the black church experiences versus the white church experience. So like my white church experience is like, it's, it's participatory because you're saying words at the same time that the choir is saying words when the song comes on, right? Like that's the participatory part. You don't, you know, we, we don't have that, like you're not moving together. You're not, um, you know, there's not a, there's not a strong call and response uh, tradition in the church that I grew up in hardly any like the only call and response is like you know like the preacher says a thing and you know let us pray for blah 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 let us pray for blah 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 let's, and you just say amen all together at the end and that's like the most that like and then i wonder how much that's just part of like our european just our european expectation you know like like the the swing dance classes when you go and <laughs> If you're expected to just listen to an instructor say a thing until it's your turn to try it, and then that's like your class experience, is, is that like a continuation of that of that same tradition? Yeah. And I, I would say I've seen in uh, churches with like a strong liturgical, um, <laughs> there's a word there. I Sorry, I'm sick today. So everyone, <laughs> sure. I am sick today. So if I'm a little bit off, that's why. Um, but with a strong liturgical history, I'm going to use that, um, that there is back and forth, but it 
may not have a stank on it, right? There may not be some like extra stuff in there unless you take like the Anglican church that tends to be very um, formal. If you see the Anglican Anglican church in Africa with um, black people in Africa, then there's a little bit more swagger in there. So I, I would agree with you when I've seen the intersection of both pieces that when you bring in like an African or Afrocentric or like black perspective, then you start to have a little bit more of this. There's this intangible element. I don't know. Kenneth, what do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, where, where I see it pop up the most is like in improvisation. Uh, yeah. It's that. So if we go back to the, we could use the electric side example, but even if we just talked about a song happening in church is that that comfort uh even if you even if you didn't know the next song someone's going to bring bring up, you're already comfortable in that space and the ability to ad lib, hoop holler, add a different uh, extend a extend a phrase, go an extra bar um, is is there and acceptable. And then uh, uh, it's like you could you could be laughed at for a certain uh, you might potentially get laughed at for a certain improv. Someone's like, I don't know about I don't know about that one per se, <laughs> but you're never, you're never really um, chastised for the attempt. Whereas like, if I think about some, some other places I've been, it doesn't have to just be church, but I think about some other European centric structures I've been in. Uh, uh, you think about a uh, movie theater, typically we would not talk in a movie theater. And I, even as a big movie connoisseur, I definitely love that rule. I want to build a joy experience, you know, <laughs> but there are certain instances where, you know, uh, a horror movie. I personally don't care if someone's talking during a horror movie, specifically if they're like, don't go in. What are you doing? Don't go. Ah! <laughs> you know, uh, and classic. I tell people, <laughs> a classic. Why uh, are you running up the stairs? <laughs> so get out of the house. Uh, and I tell people all the time, it's like, if you want to understand the big dichotomies, like go to a black theater, uh, and it could be a black owned yeah. theater, but I mean, specifically a black uh, dominated theater during when a comedy comes out or when a uh, horror movie comes out and you'll just see a huge culture change. And I wouldn't say that they're being disrespectful to the movie or to the experience. It's like, no, there it's an additive that's acceptable in that space. It's a, it's a, it's a language that everyone is like on this, like, okay, we know how to operate within this. We know when the chime in, uh, I, or like when the natural pause or break in the conversation is for me to get that word in edgewise or sometimes it's all all over it and you just kind of pick i'm gonna listen to that one for a little bit or i'm gonna listen to that one for a little bit or maybe i catch half and half or something and both of them kind of get me get my stomach stomach rolling mm. uh, and like i think that's a really cool space to be able to live and exist in but again if you haven't been in that uh, it, it can really throw people for a loop to the point where they're like you're doing it wrong like what is what it <laughs> Like, this, this can't be how it this can't be how it works you're being disrespectful i was like i think you need to broaden your horizons a little bit yeah yeah <clears throat> Kenneth, you needed to be in my apartment two weeks ago when i i was by myself watching tv talking to the tv i mean i even paused the tv and i was like you know <laughs> like having a full-on conversation with the characters i'm like you know karen that you shouldn't have done that and this guy's a fool Derek, like Derek, who 
how is this serving anybody? And I like unpaused it, went back in. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, very real. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah. So, Bobby? No, you go ahead if you had something. No, no, I was actually going to say, Bobby, I know you had a question. <laughs> So, Kenneth, uh, you are executive director of the Ujima Blues Foundation. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that project? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of got it's got some iterations to it. Uh, me and Heather Atkins and uh, a board of uh, board of a couple other people back in Nashville. We had we had a uh, community group there, blues blues dance Nashville, and ran different workshops and events there. And we really had this idea of we, we want to create a, a panel that people would have a community driven panel where people could submit their ideas to, um, if you wanted to talk about organizing and you had the chops, you just like, Hey, I've been doing this and I feel like people should get this information. I want to create a pa like, panel and get it recorded and have, have that happen. Uh, so during one of our events, we put together this panel. Uh, that's where the blues geek title ended up coming from for one of our events was, you know, it's like, ah, we don't want to do a whole nother event, but we'll, we'll put this track effectively, this panel where people can come in and submit uh, and just like, hey, we're going to create this platform. And out of that, uh, a lot of other needs started get, uh, being identified. We started seeing like uh, organizer training. While it, I'm glad more events are having that as an, as an option, but as far as like sustained resources, we were seeing that that just wasn't like some person may have a cache of resources on their website, but there wasn't, and it's not saying they were hoarding it or anything, but it just wasn't as widely available or distributed as it, as it could be. Uh, or you'd have knowledge that was just kind of like dropping out of the scene. You know, like if an organizer decided, uh, I'm done, which is, which can be very good. It's like, sometimes you need to like, yeah, I'm done. I'm energy burnt out. Just can't. Uh, but it's also trying to find a way like if they still had a desire to part impart some of the information uh, onto people, it's like, how would we, how would we gather and capture that information? Uh, and then very blue specific was also just this idea of uh, people not knowing what blues is, which we could also have another, <laughs> we got have a long conversation on that. Uh, but we wanted to really make sure we were uh, along with holding stuff uh, or creating a central spot for place, uh, items and resources to be was this also including that information of like this is the blues research that we've done or uh uh authorized people to go on these trips like going down to clarkstone mississippi and getting uh, recordings and doing interviews and things like that it's like here's us putting all of it out and again we wish we'd have uh, video clips although we do have teams of people working on that too uh, it's like, but this is what, this is what we got. This is what we've pieced together. These are the interviews and everything. And we want to make that available for you all to, to have. Uh, so once we started having all these different projects and things and seeing these little individual buckets, we're like, uh, this is all too much just for the event to, to run. And that's where Ujima eventually, uh, was born out of that as, out of a need of like, yeah, let's, um, consolidate this under wonder under one umbrella and get these, get these resources out to people. That's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. a great project. This um, actually in 2020, before uh, the world kind of fell apart, uh, Bobby <laughs> yeah. and I and a, a group of people got to do a tour um, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and we got to go to a juke joint. Uh, I think I heard about that. Uh... <laughs> 
that trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about some photos from it, and it was like gas. Yeah. I, I, I will go. I will go down to Clarksdale. I mean, obviously not right now, but any any legitimate opportunity I get to go down. That's good to know. It was there. amazing. Uh, yeah, we went yes. to both um, Ground Zero and was it Reds? I believe. Yep. Reds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and bobby i mean he planned that so um it was a very educational moment for me um because i honestly don't I've, I've studied blues to some degree but i i didn't know as much as now i now i know after going to clarksdale and um it was yeah it was really cool yeah uh, so oh, go on sorry well i was gonna say um I guess we could talk talk some blues out of Clarksdale if y'all want for a moment. Yeah, um, yeah, please. Absolutely. So, I had uh, so again grew up grew up in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, um, and people call it uh, it's like oh country music. Well, we're Music City, USA for a reason, and it's a it's, it's we get record people recording a variety of like a whole uh, whole variety of stuff, and. So I grew up listening to a lot of blues, even though that wasn't the thing. I was like, oh, yeah, soul and funk, that's my stuff. And that eventually got me into hip-hop music and DJing that. But it's like, oh, okay, yeah, blues. Is All right. Um, but as I as I started to make that pivot and learn more about it, the old-timers I would learn, uh, learn from in Nashville, they kept saying, like, oh, that's just dancing. Every time I would talk about a specific blues move or try to be like, Hey, do you, does this pattern look familiar? Like, this is something that we do. And they're like, oh, yeah, we used to do that in the juke joint, but that's just dance. And <laughs> I was like, it kept happening over and over and over again. I'm like, what? What is going Okay. I got to I gotta figure something. Like, because, like, what, what is going on? Uh, and then even in Clarksdale, that was that was repeated over and over and over again. Uh, Sharina Boyce, uh, which is, uh, um, what was she, about 35, 36? Uh, so close around my age, but her parents had taught taught her a lot of different things. She teaches uh, some different like single juke joint moves and uh, partner like close embrace partner dances uh, there. And uh, uh, goodness, I'm gonna get the town wrong. It's in Mississippi, but it's not Clarksdale. It's about a like an hour hour east of it. And uh, she said the same thing, even though she had the names, even though she had the names for the individual moves. She's still like, yeah, but this is just the things that my parents did in the living room or whenever they went out to the blues bar. I'm like, gosh, come, like, what is going on? So me and her had a back and forth. And I've talked to other instructors about this too, but me and her had a specific back and forth that really helped me out a lot was it was the popular dance of that small town. So there just wasn't going to be anybody unless another sound came in, you know, to usurp blues, which just wasn't happening in those towns. That was the pop music. Uh, so if that's the pop music, you know, you think about going to the club today, it's like there, yeah, there might be some club moves we do or know of, or have seen pop up on TikTok or YouTube, you know, whatever it's like, but when you go to the club, you're probably just going to dance. You're probably just going to do whatever comes to your head or thing. You know, you're not going to call that, uh, an idiom into itself. That's what was happening here. And so again, it's blues was the pop music for that town. Uh, everything that was, and again, something might come out of it. So you think about fishtail. The reason we're able to know what fishtail is because someone saw that and said, "What is that?" And someone started to attach a attach a name to it, and it's persisted throughout the years. Like uh, in part of our video projects, we've been going back through and looking at old Soul Train videos, and we're like, 
oh shit, there. Say, oh, sorry. Can I can I say? Oh yeah. Please <laughs> 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 do. Um, <laughs> but like we're we're going back through old Soul Train videos, and then we're seeing some of these moves that we know from predated that that are popping up there. Just got more of a soulful, funky uh, edge to it. You know, and kind of start going down to we've at least identified four or five. They're like, okay, we're seeing that consistently, consistently pop up. Uh, and again, we uh, the reason I bring up Soul Train is because I know for a fact from even my own family history things that they learned was like, oh yeah, I remember someone calling that that move out. We didn't know what it was yet, and I'm like, okay, so that has probably been a. And again, I'd like to get more. This things is still evolving. Things that we want to get more and more interviews on. But it's like that is definitely a mode of uh, transmission of a, or yeah, it's definitely how moves can transmit across towns and things. Is that uh, you see it, someone gives it a name, and there probably been some other ones that were cool that just didn't get didn't get a title, or someone just didn't think, or someone's like, nah, that's a little whack. We're not, you know, we're not. <laughs> it's like I'm good. I don't want to learn that one, uh, and it just never left those never left those towns. Yeah, we had like a similar. You know, it's so fascinating how much of it relates to other dance forms. Like, there's a similar thing in in the bow swing, old timers from Southern California, where, you know, if we showed them moves and stuff, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, we did that." And they're like, "What's the name?" And like, didn't have a name for it. We just did it. And you know, like, and they would only have like four or five names total for out of all the hundreds of motions that they did. Exactly. I was was thinking there's something about. Um old timer energy, right? It doesn't really matter <laughs> of what, but there's this like old timer. <laughs> exactly. And I feel, yeah. And, and part of it, you know, what, what's the difference between the person who's living in the moment versus the person who's researching the past and how yeah. those are actually two different, you know, realities, like what things are we doing that we don't have a name for, or that we haven't even thought to put a name for. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and sometimes I wonder if like the classroom culture, the classroom culture and the modern culture maybe uh, supports giving things names. So I know that like if I'm teaching a class and I have this move that my partner and I do and we need to give it a name just so that we know what we're talking about. So we can say, hey, for today's class, you want to do that, that Seattle move. And that, that's the move that we came up with when we were in Seattle or that's what we taught when we were in Seattle. And so like that becomes the Seattle move and like. Is that just like we would never come up with a name for it, probably? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the other thing that's interesting is like when in Jean Velos in Southern California, when she talks about moves, every move that she has is a scat sound. That's the name of the move. Is the she would do what or the she could do would do like that kind of thing. And that's yeah. That's that's awesome. I this super resonates with me because of. Um, learning from my mom, you know, like as I learned how to dance from my mom and because of being a little bit removed from my own culture, I I had to do a little bit of that like old meets new thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'd be like, mom, what do you think about this? But none of the movements had specific names, right? So it was like, am I doing, it was a whether I was doing it right or I was doing it wrong more so than uh, uh, <laughs> what is the name of what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's I don't, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if this has been your experience too, Kenneth, but uh, you know, the, the Southern California old timers famously could only say, no, it's wrong. 
And <laughs> they, they didn't necessarily give really good advice about it. They were just like, nope, that's not it. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And then usually if you got it right, they just didn't say anything. So uh, we're, because uh, also I just love how we nerd out on stuff. Because we were, it was me and Brianna McIntyre, Julie Brown, uh, Crystal Wilkerson, and Clarksdale. And we were, Julie was talking about compression she had felt from uh, some leads that, that had been given to uh, given to her. And also Ellis Johnson was a, uh, is a dancer that lives in Clarksdale. She was talking about how his compression felt. So we're, oh, yeah, does that. Hey everybody, this is Bobby White from Integrated Rhythm. We're here to ask you to please consider donating to the podcast. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash integrated rhythm. You can do so by Venmoing at Bobby Swungover. And make sure to put a little IR in the note so we make sure it goes to the right people. You can also do so by PayPaling at Bobby White 3. And once again, putting a little IR in the in the window there. Doing so will help us keep this podcast going, and we love doing it, and we hope you love it too. If you can't afford to donate at this time because times are rough, we totally understand. We don't want you to put yourselves out. We want you to keep enjoying the podcast for free. However, if you have a little bit of pocket change in your pocket, we would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thanks, and have a great day. We here at Integrated Rhythm always ask listeners to support black businesses, and Kenneth Ship is a black business owner. You can hire him for teaching or DJing, and as you can see from this podcast, he definitely knows what he's talking about. Uh, you can go to his personal page over at facebook.com slash commandership. That's commander, S-H-I-P-P, -P, all one word. There you can generally find him geeking out over movies and other nerd projects and events. And make sure to check out the Ujima Blues Foundation, which we've talked about in this episode. You can find them at ujimablues.org. That's U-J-I-M-A blues.org. You can also donate to this great cause over at facebook.com slash Ujima Blues Foundation. Yeah, so it was uh, me, Julie Brown, uh, Brianna McIntyre, and Crystal Wilkerson uh, trying to have a uh, conversation on compression. So we're trying to like, because uh, they they had, had the opportunity to meet Ellis. I have still, I have been to Clarksdale. I'm losing count now. Still haven't been able to meet Ellis. I've met a bunch of different uh, folks uh, in and around Mississippi, but I still haven't had the personal opportunity to meet him. Uh, honking out there and uh uh but she wanted to julie specifically was like yeah let's, i want you to feel what i think he was giving me in compression and then she brought up uh different old timers i met in nashville and we can yeah we got right into that tr track of yeah it was always mm, that ain't that ain't it baby that ain't, <laughs> <laughs> that ain't it baby uh, and then we also kind of generally found that they were like much more much stronger uh as far as compression compared to everyone else. Like when, a, my, when my students, and again, so long as what I would, as long as people can give me a functional amount of compression in, in close embrace, that's usually what I'm looking for is that we can always play with the levels of that and like always trying to find that cozy spot between you and other other partners. So really what I'm always looking for is like, 
is there enough here to to work and make movements uh execute movements well uh so obviously any point where that just falls off then it's like then you're gonna have to kind of bring that up but i was always very used to a, a large amount of compression because mm-hmm. uh, specifically black women i was dancing with the most very very intentional like if they're gonna move forward and move through you like it's it's there like i never had to worry about it. I was like where hey where are you oh you're there <laughs> hello hi <laughs> so yeah they're they uh some of the elders i learned from weren't giving yeah we're not giving a lot of advice uh but i at least had that metric or at least i had that data point of like okay i know i know what you're giving me i may not be giving you exactly what you want yet but okay i can definitely feel um uh, the energy or the amount of uh, compression that you're that you're putting out. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes um, we. I know that as a swing dancing scene together, that we've kind of been asking this question about like how much is too much, you know, in terms of give and take and connection. I think sometimes. Um, so that that contrast, I could totally understand geeking out about that and being like, well, the old timers were like super present, maybe more present than we may allow ourselves to be in this current moment. And so yeah. cool. I've said the other thing that going back to we were talking about improvisation earlier is that uh, they're, they're, they're incredibly comfortable uh, in their voice the entire time particularly black women, and especially if they were in the follower role, I, I never had confusion on what they wanted. Like, it was always like, uh, it's like, I'm going to do this thing right now. And I think that can throw a lot of people for a loop if you have uh, uh, particularly leads that are used to a very specific, I'm going to execute a certain amount of energy or a certain amount of movement to create this very specific thing in my head. And it's like, if you dance with these old timers, that's not going to happen. You need to expect that there's going to be that you did this thing. And generally they're probably going to follow the shape or the line or the direction that you, that you sent them in. They're probably not going to just like disconnect hands and go do their own thing. It's like, that's probably not going to happen. It's like, but if you're very forceful about a very specific thing, it's like, you need to, it's like, there's, you really need to have your listening ears and your connection to be able to pick up. Because uh, they are like they're being clear. The energy, it's like the, the information's there if you're paying attention. Like it's not hidden under a rock or anything. It's like the information is there. So it's all on you as that lead to pay attention um, and like go into it knowing that this can be a really fun back and forth. It really, it really can. But if your idea is like I need this rigid, very specific thing to happen, this ain't this just ain't the place. This just ain't the place for that. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, again, this like totally, that totally reminds me of the chances I've had a, to dance with like a Southern California dancer from the original, uh, from the swing era, how like the, the followers would, the followers were themselves 150% and they moved the way that they wanted to move. And if you, uh, and uh, their dancing wasn't developed to do really super fancy compression and stretch and like reacting very quickly to compression and stretch like they, they weren't the they didn't design their dancing that way and so you had to like be very clear and and simple 
and that's what that's what their dancing was about so that they could like move the way they wanted to and and be themselves in that movement which was yeah. a huge wake-up call because i also wasn't very good I, I was a good modern dancer at the time but a horrible like that kind of dancer and i you know my brain was like i need to do something fancy to let them know that i'm a good dancer which was not <laughs> what you wanted to do yeah uh i guess this might be a good time to talk about one of my class philosophies that's in my bio uh, and something that people reference quite a quite a bit and but a lot of it comes from this interaction with with old timers and just um you know we when we talk about blues idiom dances, uh, we sometimes, like, so I'll bring the fishtail up again. You know, it it can be a move that we execute in the course of a dance. Uh, or you could just do that, you know, you could just hold on to your partner for a whole song and just fishtail and it not be super, super complicated. And when I tell tell students that, they still don't believe me. They still, they just do not, do not believe me. And they're always trying to do extra extra thing or try to add it. I'm like, so, uh, so sometimes again, where that quote, uh, chill the fuck out came from, uh, or is, is literally just, you can, you can really have a fun dance doing one move. I promise. I, 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 I swear. It's like, if you talk to other, other dancers that have finally gotten to that point too, I have, I gotta make that caveat dancers that have gotten to that point. Cause there might be some other folks that are still like, but no, I gotta build a. It's like, uh, if that, I mean, if that's your thing, cool. But I would also like to advocate this other, I think, critical piece. And it's like, because if you can get this, if you're if you're comfortable in yourself as a dancer, you can get this piece. The other stuff, stuff, other stuff is gravy, and it's really great gravy. You know, it's good southern thick brown gravy. You know, and it's delicious. It's just full of. I mean, it's not healthy by any means, uh, but you know. It's, <laughs> Uh, it's just really delicious effect. I don't want gravy. <laughs> you know, but this one move and being comfortable there is the biscuits, you know, and it's like, you're not going to just scoop and scoop. I mean, you could scoop gravy, but oh, uh, that might be a little much. It's like, you still need a base to, to put it on. And to me, this base is the thing that's going to make you chill and like exude that uh, ephebism, just keep that youthful energy across, across your dances is can you be chill with these uh with a single move you know yeah uh something else i'll do when we're doing like compression exercises is uh i try to avoid just doing hugs because posture wise sometimes hugs not getting them exactly where they need to be at but i i use that analogy a lot of you know when you when you're hugging someone do you do you get in there and you're like you know looking at your watch trying to figure out like uh, how, like, when is this thing going to be over? It's like, if that's, if that's your mindset and it's, uh, it's like, you're not chill. You're not, you're not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, because people can fill it out in that, fill it in the body language. It's like, um, it's like, you probably not be pulling away the compressions. Like, yeah, you're touching, but you're not really, you're not really there. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, sometimes I will, it's like, all right, we're going to put on a song and don't want you to move. I just want you to be comfortable. Like, hell, you can go, you can weight shift. I'm going to take, take all these other moves away. It's like, you can weight shift. That's fine. It's like, you can weight shift to the music. It's like, but get comfortable in this spot. And then you'll still see people that want to break. I'm like, ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> get back over here. Get, like, get comfortable in that spot. Uh, 
and then the other thing that makes me think of too is you know uh, we talk about like the atmosphere helping create that learning environment so i don't know how many people were there in the juke joints when the time uh the time you got to go there uh but during the fe- during the festivals i mean it's it is packed it's uh, red since especially as a fire code hazard like that is <laughs> the amount of people that were in there uh we were uh the f- i think it was the first time i was there i mean it was packed both times but i specifically remember uh you know there's that carpet that's there in front of the uh the band and so on and so forth and it kind of runs all the way back to the drummer and stuff and uh the, the one near the open circuit board with sparks <laughs> flying out of it yeah <laughs> Yes, that, that, that carpet. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I remember, so one, yeah, during the festival weekend, all the seats are going to be gone and it's going to be standard room only anyway. But then if you're trying to make room to dance, like then your options are even, even smaller. So like we're crammed in basically with the band. I remember being like my, my butt, I was like, all right, I got to remember where the, where this hi-hat is so that I don't go back into it so like if you could have looked at us in a picture you would have thought we were like dancers with the band and just kind of like mixed in to that space because it's the only floor space really left to uh to do anything and uh i bring that up because we didn't do anything out in the open and we weren't even doing closed position stuff we didn't have any like it just was not going to happen it's like you got to do close and grace that that's it like that is that is the connection it's like you try to do a spin thing if you want to but then you got you're gonna have five angry bar patrons at you like what do you like read the room and they'd be right it's like you did not read the room um so like uh to give them that context like sometimes i will also just squeeze I, like i'll pull chair like depending on the venue so i'll pull chairs i'll squeeze the room down it's like all right y'all all get to work in this corner like like we got this whole studio like i don't care work in the corner if anything that will help you reinforce the fact of they didn't have space to work at, that's what helped create. I mean, obviously sometimes it's also about wanting to be with the person that you're, you're dancing with. I'm not trying to say that that wasn't, uh, wasn't a factor, uh, but some of it's just literally environment function. It's like a, you've been in reds, other juke joints that are along the, uh, along the, uh, Mississippi river, uh, like Helen, uh, West, West Helena, Arkansas, uh, a couple others going down, like some of the other ones that are closed. But you see pictures of them. There ain't a lot of room room in there. Uh, and this is not a knock on Ground Zero, but Ground Zero is like it's a good blues bar. But I would not consider it a like 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 and obviously it's, uh, this date it was created. So it's not as old as some of the other uh, bars. But you just look at the space in that. It's like that. I mean, maybe a Barrel House Club would have been as big as as Ground Zero. Uh, but a lot of juke joints are closer to Red. It's like it's a single shotgun all the way to the back. Yeah, and you think about a lot of that beer is coming out of, I think, uh, forget how the fridge fridge is there. But some of them, some of them have full refrigeration. It is literally just like a person that's got beer in a cooler, yeah. and serving it, and serving it out of there. Uh, having a full bar would be rare. Uh, and you and the band and whatever dance space, there might be some tables, and that, that's all you got to work with. You know, and there might be a whole ton of tables, so even your dance space is even even less. You know, and just knowing that like that environment can help in, uh, inform inform your connection and getting getting comfortable comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I remember walking into Reds and thinking size-wise that it felt like somebody's garage, right, Bobby? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. And yeah. It, 
you know, when you mention it, it's like there's a the intimacy of a jute joint space is spiritually important to it. I guess like, and I had like in in my head, I was like, oh yeah, ground zero is a jute joint and reds is a jute joint. But you know, when I look at that old, you know, one of the old pictures from the Clark, I think it was a Clarksdale, Mississippi joint where it has like the woman, the riding boots, dancing, uh, that incredible picture. <laughs> but like that to me looks like, you know, that's a small, that's an intimate space. Like there's, it's, it's not a big space. You can tell, man, that makes a lot of sense. And, and the, you know, the, uh, for pure, pure, a lot of times, uh, pure Balboa instructors, when they're teaching pure Balboa, will like push everyone into a corner of the room so they can understand what it means that this dance was not a dance that had space. It was a dance that, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's awesome. a, there's a dance out of Memphis called strutton. Um, and I see people take off to the races on that all the time. And I'm like, I mean, sure. Memphis blues bars are a little bit bigger. But you're still working between aisles of tables, so there's no way they were doing anything which I would like. Uh, and again, it's another constricting lesson. It's like, all right, go and go into the corner and make, work that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. I've never. I feel like there's so much to explore in the idea of how much. The, what does the space do to the dance? And that yeah. seems obvious to me now, but like my mind's kind of blown. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome but it's i think it's so important when we think about social dancing and these dances that have emerged in places where people are versus dances that have mer emerged in studios right mm -hmm. and so when we superimpose our thinking about studios or um or concert halls onto social dances like some of the fundamental ways of how we think about movement have to shift right and so yes um, and, and in a lot of ways like one of the biggest ones i think for the swing dancing world is that i think it i think it took the party out of the dance a little bit the fact that like so many modern people go and learn their moves in a studio and then they go to a dance that night that the event puts on how much does that feel like you're going out for a night on the town to a party? Which I think is what it originally was like a lot of the spirit of these dancers. Yeah. Bobby, one of my favorite things in, in exploring Balboa, especially in this last year, is hearing you say that and say, like, imagine you're going to a party. Like, the, the type of energy oh, yeah. that you bring. Yeah, you've been saying that in your teaching and, and things, and I found it really inspiring. Um because I I know, I know what I'm like when <laughs> when I'm about to like cut up when I'm at a party, right? like so I'm like you don't know what's about to happen like it's right you know? <laughs> so there's a very different energy as compared to when I'm like okay now I'm going to do Charleston you know <laughs> right like, oh, and, and at a party everyone feels comfortable just making shit up everyone feels comfortable just doing doing what feels good at a party and so few people especially like in you know the inner the average intermediate balboa dancer especially maybe like five to ten years ago if they went to a dance they would not feel comfortable just making shit up i think right. i agree i agree with that um like, you know, i guess it makes me wonder like how do you get people comfortable like and again, that's obviously what a thought process I've always been having, but that's one that I definitely, um, I don't have answers for it yet. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But like, what are, because if you think about 
yes, we know there were Lindy Hoppers that were uh, having an opportunity to practice outside of the outside of the Savoy in different different spaces. So like they were like, I'm going to make sure that my stuff looks looks tight. But we also got to know like, okay, but every single move and thing that we didn't just come out of that that pressure cooker or those people working together. It's like there had to be other folks that were kind of going, going for used to uh, the transmission of moves idea again. It's like we know it's like they they weren't probably doing it or maybe they did it in their living rooms and stuff before they went out to the dance. You know, I think about the, let's use the Soul Train example again, is that Soul Train coming out on a Saturday morning, you had better learn and know the move that whatever, whatever that new one that someone brought out that morning so that you could do it Saturday night when you're with your friends at whatever, like disco, whatever club you're going to be at, that you're going to be able to pull it off there as well. So like, I don't, I guess that's, I guess that's my, like, how do I get them to have fun doing that in their house so they can come out to the, the thing on Saturday night or Friday night and be like, yeah, I've been working on this thing. Or again, to your point of like, just playing in the moment of like, how do you get them comfortable? Even just at the social dance of like, yes, I have my framework for how this works. Now, can I actually have, instead of just trying to execute the same thing over and over again, which can still be like making variations on it, but, but how do I get comfortable just playing in this space? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel in some ways, you know, um, I mean, in, in, in the classes where just someone's heard me talk about that, uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll start off by playing like a funk song. Like I'll usually start off with like Otis Redding down in the valley and get people just moving around to that and remind, you know, like, so just imagine you're in a club and the only thing you're expected to do is that, and that is, you know, it's just basically do this. And then, you know, you'll get bored with that in 10 seconds and start doing other things while you're moving in that way. Um, mm -hmm. And so basically, you know, you, you know, we, we've tried to just like set up that example in the beginning of the class and kind of remind people that the social dance is, is a party uh, and that the way that they're working on their dancing, you know, can be that way. And again, like it, it's not a perfect answer to the question. It's maybe only one answer out of the many different directions that people will, will have to come to. And something I think I would love to see more in the scene, both the Balboa and Lindy Hop scene, I don't know how much it's in the blue scene, is is healthy jam circles where you have people being comfortable sharing their dancing and showing off their dancing in front of friends and and strangers uh, as part of the like community sharing process as part of like their night at the party yeah i feel like uh one i wish i wish blues did some more more jam circles because i think that would help with some um I feel like we've gotten past a, yeah, we've, we've, we've moved past some toxic uh, competition things that were going on. So very excited about that. But then I think it's swung so far the other way of like, now we don't want to compete or like so much so that like now throwing out some badass moves or me and Julie were even just talking about, we don't like if when people are solo dancing, like where are the power moves? Cause uh, as a, as a break dancer, like I love my top rock. I love my transition moves. But, you know, you're building all that to get to your the thing, the, your bag of tricks, things you like your power moves. Like, and we were even, even lamenting that it's started to swing so far the other way to like, um, it feels like uh, the solo dancers weren't even having, bringing out like, and this is the thing I've been working on. I'm going to, and it fits in right here. And, ah, it's like, even when, even when even that's missing, we're like, ah. Um, 
sorry, to get back to your, oh goodness, I lost, <laughs> sorry, could you say your last part one more time? Sorry, it just. Uh, the jam circles? Yes, jam circles. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I would love, again, I would love to see blues get back to that uh, a little bit more because I feel like we've we've gotten away from it. And, um, but I do feel like we've gotten very comfortable and I guess to go back to the solo dancing uh, and going back to like that communal feel, we have gotten a lot more comfortable jamming in front of the band, which is something that's just like, as a love, love live music lover, as I know we all are, uh, but it's particularly just in bars. It's like, uh, if I, if I didn't have a partner there, I'm probably going to hang out usually the, usually the basis, me and the basis of a lot of Nashville basis. We're just, we're tight. Uh, so we just be in that corner together, hanging out, joke, laughing, and I might be dancing, doing my own thing and just be very comfortable in that space and, uh, not needing to like, maybe I'll relate to the person that's next to me, but I'm good. Just kind of jamming in that spot. And, uh, I've seen a lot more, uh, sometimes toward just toward the end of dances, but I've seen a lot more where people are comfortable the entire night of like, I'm not hanging out on the sides or the tables or in the back of the room. I'm going to hang out here in front of the band until someone's ready to like maybe do a partner or I might even tell them, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good right now. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here. And then what I see happening there in between the people is sometimes someone, Hey, you see this thing I just did? Like, oh, I saw that thing you just did. I got, I got something for you though, <laughs> you know. And then that playing back and forth uh, starts happening, happening there. But I would also, I guess, a caveat I have to add is like, I tend to see people that are there that are already gotten comfortable with solo dancing. So that's going to be another, you know, it'd be another thing of like, not just getting them comfortable partner dancing, but can we get you comfortable in your own skin to also be up there and know that like. You're not, you're not getting judged up there. Like it's like 10 to 20 people deep having fun, fun up there. So you're good. No one's like, ignore everyone else. Look at that one person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being comfortable solo dancing has been a long journey for me. And I, you know, I, I wonder how much of that is my personality. How much of that is growing up in, in white waspy Southern culture where I, I just didn't experience dancing by myself and in, in, with people around, uh, you know, until I turned 18 and started doing swing dancing. Um, and even, even that, like, sometimes I feel really confident with it. And then other times I'll just like be sitting there and I'll have my hands in my pockets and I'm like, I have no desire to get out there and feel like I'm judged. And I'm like, yeah, I've yeah. been a professional dancer for how long? Like, why do I just not give a fuck and just go out there? And it's a long journey for me. <laughs> I, I, I think that that I love your honesty with that because I think that there are a lot of people in that place and I know I've I've shared this with Bobby that um, there in, there are some arenas in which I feel really comfortable dancing on my own and those are usually in like informal spaces like maybe to more popular music because I can do whatever I want um, but then like in the swing dance space, I might be like, oh no, I'm going to get these moves wrong. <laughs> and that breaks my heart. Oh, that breaks my heart. It shouldn't be that way, right? Right. right. It shouldn't be that way. But I, I bet there's so many people who probably feel that way. And there are lots of people yeah. who may not even, like the thing that we've kind of said, but not said is there might, might be people where the barrier to entering these dances is so high because it means dancing. And, um, they might not think that they can, but um, 
I really do. And listening to you, Kenneth, and in this discussion, I'm like, dancing is for everybody. And and there are and it's and I really value um, instructors such as yourselves that will take how people move on their own and say, okay, let's build from this because it really is for everybody. Integrated rhythm with Jasomo and Bobby. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Integrated Rhythm. We'd first off like to thank Tom Blair for his fantastic advice and Robots Radio Network for all of their support. We would also like to thank Michelle Stokes and Laurel Ryan for their musical musings. Thank you so much for our introduction, our outro, and anything, any sound things you hear in the middle that are really cool. That's them. We appreciate you. And special thanks to Jessica Miltenberger for her enduring support, not only of this podcast and the inner workings thereof, but also as my wife. And great gratitude goes out to our friends and family who are the shoulders that we lean on and the ears that we speak to. If you listen to this podcast, you're part of that, and we appreciate your enduring support. 